Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. I imagine a lot of Spirit in Action listeners eat consciously, maybe natural foods, local foods, or organic foods. Maybe you grow a portion of your own foods or buy from a CSA or a local farm, but if you can't verify that quality of your food firsthand, you may depend on the official federal organic certification for that assurance. Unfortunately, big business and big money will tend to dilute organic standards and practices if we let them. So we need help from a public interest, private eye. And that's the role of Organic Eye. Organic Eye is an organic industry watchdog, and Mark Castell is one of Organic Eye's founders. Mark has been through the system, first working for some of the agribusiness giants before having his eyes and mind opened to the vital importance of organic foods and farming for the consumer, for the plants and animals, and for the planet. He even had his important role in the forming of the Organic Valley Farm Cooperative, helping the co-op grow from seven members to over 2,000 now. To kick off this interview with Mark Castell and Organic Eye, I wish I had theme music for Organic Valley, but I don't. But there is a similar Canadian farmers co-op called Organic Meadow, and they've got a great theme song. So here's Clean Living and Organic Farming from Organic Meadow. And then it's over to Mark Castell. In the usual way But something just felt wrong So I got into organic Taking good care of the land And now I work the farm responsibly Giving nature a helping hand It's all about clean living Always giving, that's the way to be We're organic meadow farmers An organic family From the soil to the table And every step along the way We're working for tomorrow in everything we do today. When my cows are in the meadow, smile at what I see. A healthy cow makes healthy milk and that's good for you and me. My cows are like my family, they're happy on this land. They give to me and I give to them They're a part of who I am It's all about clean living Always giving That's the way to be We're organic meadow farmers An organic family From the soil to the table And every step along the way We're working for tomorrow In everything we do today You might think we're crazy It might be foolish pride But it feels like Mother Nature is working by our side. Organic meadow farming is farming from the heart. The milk that we deliver is goodness from the start. It's all about 
Clean living, always giving, that's the way to be. We're organic meadow farmers, an organic family. From the soil to the table and every step along the way. We're working for tomorrow in everything we do today. Hey, Mark, it's great to have you back for Spirit in Action. Thank you, Mark. I enjoyed being on your show a number of years ago, and I'm an avid listener. I really enjoy your angle and focus in looking at good work in the world and the people who are doing it. I'd actually like it if you'd mention a few words about the local station there. You got the dirt on them, right? <laughs> you bet. It's a WDRT, WDIRT. And uh, just celebrated its 10th anniversary. We're a community station. I'm not a volunteer. I'm a fiscal sponsor. I'm a member donor. I'm what we say in the country, edited for the radio. I'm like a, a pig in manure. I'm just happy. I'm a radio junkie. I don't own a TV. I actually read these um, large pieces of paper called a newspaper. You might need to <laughs> check that out on Wikipedia. I heard about them one time. Yeah. yeah. And um so I listen to radio, and it's uh, wonderful having uh, locally produced, very um, great music, old and new music, and a lot of great public affairs programming, including Spirit in Action. So it's in Viroqua, Wisconsin, which is the county seat here in Vernon County, where we are thought to have more organic farmers than any county in the United States. So hence dirt. And I did talk to someone along the way, organics in essentially the Midwest and specifically Wisconsin was kind of seedbed for growing the organic industry, including Organic Valley and others. Uh, and I want to talk to you. You had a role in connection with a lot of this stuff. I know. I, I mean, I know a fair amount about your history, which I'd like to talk about, Mark, but we're going to get to eventually organic eye. So let's talk about you particularly. When I last talked to you, you were working with the Cornucopia Institute, doing a lot of good work, research. You had a lot of things that uh, you and Will Fantle, who's been a friend of mine here in Eau Claire, uh, he was part of a men's group I was part of years ago, people I trust. And it makes a difference because there can be a lot of gloss on people in well-paid positions who aren't necessarily advocating for the common good. How can I trust you? How can I let our listeners know that Mark Castell is someone who should be trusted? Well, first, I'll give you my mother's phone number in North Carolina. You can call her and get a <laughs> reference. I got involved in the organic movement because we wanted better food. I actually had a um, very serious health problem about uh, 35 years ago, and I was involved in conventional agriculture, so it was thought that pesticide poisoning was a key element. And uh, I saw the country's preeminent environmental allergist at the time, and uh, he recommended I go on organic food because my immune system was compromised. So I started eating all organic and gardening and then farming organically, and uh, then it became impossible to be involved in conventional agribusiness. So when I moved to Wisconsin, I had been doing consulting work and the cooperative of farmers that would end up being Organic Valley asked me to help them in doing research and launch that co-op. And that's how I ended up in Lafarge here in Wisconsin. And that's now a, I was their second full-time staff member, although I was a consultant, not an employee, but uh, they now have a thousand employees and 
and over a billion dollars a year versus worth of business. So it's a, a success story. But I have to watch them like I watch everyone else. Uh, you know, money is corrupting. And the organic movement has morphed into the organic industry. And I'm really happy Organic Valley continues to support family-scale farmers. But that's not true of every brand. So I'm a polarizing figure in this industry. If you're big business, you don't like to be watched over. Organic Eye is a governmental and corporate watchdog, but uh, I'm really proud to stand with working farmers and uh, a number of uh, their customers who, the eaters out there, consumers who get it, they get what's at risk. There's not much we can do in the marketplace as shoppers, whether we're buying cars and we can buy a hybrid, but when we decide what kind of food we eat, besides for impacting our family's health, we, we decide how this planet is stewarded. We decide how the animals in our care, livestock, are either treated respectfully or confined to uh, the equivalent of concentration camps. And uh, we can decide whether economic justice is built into the prices we're paying for our food. That's one of the reasons organic food was supposed to be more expensive, is that it was supposed to have a fair level of remuneration for the people who crack a sweat and get their hands dirty. I imagine there's a lot of people out there who don't know much about Organic Valley. I mean, I guess it's now sold nationwide just about everywhere, but I have a feeling some people might just think it's the same as a big corporation corporately owned as opposed to a co-op, which I think it is or it grew out of. So spell out what Organic Valley is. Sure. It's, uh, it was formed as a cooperative. I was actually a member farming with them decades ago, and it um, started out as a vegetable co-op in 1988. And then the second year when I showed up, they said uh, seven of the vegetable farmers were also milking cows and said, we're organic. Why can't we do something with our milk? So they started making cheese. I did their first market research. I helped uh, coordinate the corporate identity project that came up with the Organic Valley name and the original logo and, and uh, first full color process cheese labeling in the country, which is now not uncommon. So it's been a success story. They are primarily uh, selling organic dairy products, but they sell eggs. They have organic prairie, which is meat, and they are still doing vegetables. I'm hoping I'm not leaving anybody out. So it's a big business, but it's a cooperative. In dairy, the biggest competitors are uh, the Horizon brand. It used to be owned by Dean Foods, the largest milk bottler in the country, which went bankrupt. They sold that. It's now part of Group Danone. <laughs> and due to a antitrust action that we filed, Danon, Danon in France, but Danon in the U.S. had to sell off Stonyfield, which they had already owned. And now Stonyfield is owned by another French dairy conglomerate called Lactalis. So these are big corporations. I'm happy to say that as far as I know, based on our research, Stonyfield is still buying all their milk from family farmers in the Northeast. Some of them are actually Organic Valley member, co-op members. But uh, Horizon, uh, we've estimated half their milk comes from giant CAFOs or concentrated animal feeding operations, commonly called factory farms with thousands of cows. And the balance of their milk comes from family farmers. But the, the worst case scenario for consumers is all this mystery milk, the private label milk 
that has the store brand on it. And so the, the milk from Walmart or uh, Costco or Target comes from an outfit called Aurora Dairy. And Aurora sells, they are vertically integrated. They have their own corporate owned cows and dairies that have as many as 22,000 head of animals. So this is industrial agriculture applied to organics. We don't feel it's being done ethically. We don't, in some regards, feel it's potentially being done legally. We have tried to force and uh, through um, the courts and other mechanisms, the USDA to crack down. So it, it really puts the farmer owners at Organic Valley at a competitive disadvantage. And it's up, up to us to you know, spend our money wisely when we go shopping. I was going to ask that about that specifically, because factory farms, while it's a good thing, I don't know if there's a way you can actually test the milk from cows, the milk that came from a factory farm, from factory farm cows, versus those that have come from a family farm. If they've actually tested the milk to see if there's some ingredients, quality, or some other definable difference. Do you know if that's ever been done? Yes, we call that the secret sauce. Actually, I partnered with a publication that I'm actually also a uh, associate editor of. It's called The Milkweed. It's a dairy industry um, monthly. And Pete Harden, who's the editor and publisher, tested a number of different brands of organic milk. And what we were really looking for are things like omega-3 fatty acids, uh, CLA, which is a, an amino acid, which is uh, thought to be protective against cancer and building up your immunity. So they tested milk from some small 100% grass-based organic farms and organic valley. And then they tested the milk from Horizon and milk from Aurora. It might've come from Walmart. And they found that the milk from Aurora, actually the, what we call it the components, the nutritional components were worse than the control milk, the conventional milk they tested. So these omega-3 fatty acids and other beneficial compounds come from when cows graze on fresh grass. In conventional agriculture, virtually no cows are out any longer. They figured out that if you keep them inside with the lights on 24 hours a day, feeding a very, what we say in the industry, a hot ration, very high protein, high supplements. So not just hay, you know, really um, corn or soy or other exotic, you know, expired Twinkies. And I'm not making that up food waste that you get a lot more milk out of them. You also burn them out. So they die. They're sent to slaughter in average. They might only be milk for 18 months before their hamburger. And so for those of us who care about animals and want them to be while they're on this planet, respectfully treated, real organic, not this full organic from factory farms, is really important. I'll just finish this little round by saying, I have a farmer I work for. I, I call myself a hired man. I, one of the farmers I work for was bragging. He's 100% grass, which is unusual. You have to have some grazing in organics, but 100% is not that hard to do beef, but it's very hard to do in dairy when the animals are either lactating or pregnant because you'd need a lot of energy. And he was joking. He was saying, Mark, forget about 18 months. I have some cows that are almost old enough to vote. And so they're born, they're part of the family. They might get bottle fed by the kids. I like to say that uh, their cows have names, not numbers, and they live a, a much richer, happier life. So the milk is different and we can measure it. 
That's intriguing to find out. I, I did, hadn't realized that study has been done. Where is it posted? That's a good question. If you go to the Milkweed, they have a website. Maybe it's up there. If you send me an email, I can make sure we get that up on the Organic Eye webpage, which is organiceye.org. So yeah, it was an intriguing sub. And then I partnered with the Washington Post on an investigation. We filed complaints with the USDA. They cut continually formal legal complaints under the administrative law. They typically go out and they find nothing wrong. Well, they put all the cows out the day the inspectors make an appointment to show up. Like, you know, we're going to raid this uh, drug manufacturing facility, meth house, and we're going to ask them if 2 p.m. on Sunday would be good or would you prefer Monday? And so they, no joke, they make an appointment. So I partnered with the Washington Post and they went out there with aerial photography and inspector. And guess what? They weren't grazing. And the USDA still didn't crack down on them. So we call this in, in the lobbying business regulatory capture, where the companies and the industry trade lobbyists, like the Organic Trade Association, they're calling the shots at the regulatory agencies. And the revolving door, you can have the head of the National Organic Program at the USDA go to work for some of the biggest certifiers that he used to be cert- supervising and go to work now for the Organic Trade Association. So I wish I could tell you this wasn't true, but that's how Washington operates. I think I understand both sides of that. Actually, if you're an expert in the organics area, of course, you'd like to work in the industry, widely spoken, uh, but it doesn't help if you get essentially a bribe to do your work in a certain direction or if you've got inside influence that works in the wrong directions or serves money instead of serves people. Well, that government is supposed to be, you know, who owns it? We do. And so the gentleman who was running the National Organic Program during the Obama Vilsack administration, the first Vilsack administration at the USDA, we actually filed ethics complaints against him. He uh, suddenly retired to go bird watching, but they refused to release the um, through freedom of information. We still haven't gotten the records that we've asked for concerning his dismissal or retirement. And so he decided that you could grow and label vegetables, fruits and vegetables as organic, grown in giant football field size greenhouses in a liquid fertilizer called hydroponic production. He decided that was okay, even though the law requires careful soil stewardship before you could qualify as organic. Well, he left the USDA, went to work for the two certifiers as a consultant that paved the way for this hydroponic production. And again, now he's working for the Organic Trade Association that lobbied on behalf of hydroponics. So that revolving door, as we call it, can be quite lucrative. And that's not right in organics. It's not right at the FDA. It's not right at the um, transportation department that's overseeing the safety of our aircraft. We should demand more. And my job at Organic Eye is to educate organic stakeholders, farmers, ethical business people, consumers. We own the organic label. And so we should be holding these uh, government officials accountable. Again, folks, we're speaking with Mark Castell. He is one of the founders of Organic Eye, E-Y-E is I. It links on NordenSpiritRadio.org. I want to cover some more, Mark, of your history. Sure. Let me just interject for a second, Mark, that we call it Organic Eye because you, you know what a private eye is. We're a public eye. We're 
overseeing the corporate community and the government, and then reporting back to the public. And so we call ourselves gumshoes. We have intelligence agents all over the country that feed us information. If they see something wrong, and if, if you do out there and listening to Spirit in Action, go to the Organic Eye website, you can call us on the phone or email us. Uh, we'll, we'll hold your identity and confidence. But if you are familiar with the organic industry and something doesn't look quite kosher to you, we want to know about it. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. That's not an interruption. That's exactly what we want to do with Spirit in Action. We want to network people together to make a positive change through world healing. That's what we're about. And hey, you can't do this alone. I mean, you are in Southwest Wisconsin. You do have coworkers in Washington, D.C. in your central offices and so on. But you can't be the eyes and ears everywhere. You just have the gum shoes. By the way, I was going to ask you to show your shoes to the camera so I could tell for sure but you don't really need to. I want to ask you some of the specifics because I had, I've read some of the arguments going back and forth and what organizations who want to call themselves organic have advocated for hydroponics, for instance, was one of the issues that was brought before the national organic standards board. The CAFOs uh, has been a thorny issue everywhere Nobody wants to live near one, just like they don't want to live near a great big pig farm, or which I guess is a CAFO too. But dairy farms here in Wisconsin, where I live, nobody wants to be near them because they produce huge lagoons of crap and the place smells like it and the animals are locked in. Of course, we have winter here. So when you said you have a friend who does year-round grass farm fed beef or dairy cows, where does he get grass in the winter? Well, he makes hay all summer. Okay, put away. Like what my grandfather used to do, dairy farm in Darlington, Wisconsin. Sure. And my uncle took it over from them. But I think it's at our parents' age that the issue came up. That's when Green Revolution was pushing in a very strong direction. I remember the argument between my grandfather and my uncle who took over the farm where my grandfather thought that when the pigs were ready or getting near market, you let them out and run for a while. And my uncle said, no, because then they get thinner, lose weight, and I lose money. So that's not technically an organic definition issue, but it was the fight that my grandfather was having with my uncle. So I, I saw it happen. Sure. Well, you know, we know with hogs, it's one of the more heartbreaking models because these animals are really intelligent. If you were at your grandfather or uncle's farm, you know that they were very friendly. They're one of the animals that we share the planet with that are fairly close to humans genetically in some ways. It's one of the reasons we test drugs on them and use some of their organs in repairing humans. But they enjoy being outside and rooting around. That's their natural. By the way, the organic law requires you to manage your livestock to facilitate their natural instinctive behaviors. So for hogs, that's routing around in the earth and eating not just grains in, in, in a feed trough. And for ruminants like cows and sheep and goats, that means out there on grass during the summer when you can feed them. So confining them to buildings is uh, inhumane. The nutritional quality and flavor of the food is diminished. That's one of the reasons people seek out organics. And these animals live short, stressful, very unhappy 
lives. So I am really dedicated. Part of my spiritual belief system means that if I'm either directly or indirectly responsible for animal husbandry. I want these animals to be treated respectfully and have a happy cow life or a happy pig life while they're here and then be very humanely handled at the end of their life. And that is just so untrue in conventional agriculture. And it's sadly untrue in a lot of organics that are owned by Tyson and Purdue and the largest conventional agribusinesses that import their feed from overseas that uh, there could be questions about the authenticity of that. And then they contract with farmers, uh, just like they contract with conventional farmers that are economically very vulnerable when they work with these large agribusinesses. And just because they're feeding organic feed doesn't empower them anymore. Uh, they become indentured servants. So the entire model of our food production system in the U.S. is flawed. And it creates food that is killing us in terms of our of human health, destroying the planet in terms of environmental protection, and again, in a very disrespectful manner to the people involved in the, producing our food and the animals. So I need to check something with you. This might be a confession on my part. When I was 10 years old, going to the family farm where my uncle was, uh, one of the things we did, you, you mentioned how pigs are friendly. We would actually try and ride them. It's quite an adventure. You have to not be. Too... I've never seen that. I, <laughs> I'm guessing they could probably get away from you. With oh, you. they do. And of course, you know where you fall. But <laughs> at the age of 10, I could handle it. <laughs> but they were probably interacting with you because they were used to interacting with a family that was on the farm. What I don't cotton to are these contests where they have greased pigs at county fairs or something. That's torturing these animals. These animals are out of their element, away from their security in their home farm, and then jumped on by multiple people. I, that's just gratuitous uh, exploitation, in my opinion. So what I'm trying to make sure of, the national organic standards, the, the thing that allows you to put a label on that says organic, obviously there is a private interest. The, the people who want to have good food, they said, I want to be able to trust it when it says organic. And so, okay, well, let's make it the law so that not everybody can just cheat that way. You know, <laughs> Of course, there's a lot of people who want to cheat or fudge or whatever they can, manipulate the government to make it so that, yeah, you can put nuclear waste in there and call it organic. Well, luckily you can't, not legally. We started the organic label back in the 80s when organics was first commercializing. Back then, certification by a third party was voluntary. So I was certified organic. Every farmer at Organic Valley was certified organic. But it was um, a very unlevel playing field. In California, they had a state statute. We were three years off of any kind of agrochemical at a minimum. They, in California, and sometimes in these bigger industrial farms, they would nuke the ground with herbicides one year. Then the next year, they could call themselves organic and then use herbicides again and kill all the weeds. Silly us, we were using tractors to do cultivation or hiring people with a hoe. And so we wanted something stricter. And we formed this certification network. And then because it was voluntary, we decided that the federal government administering this would be a good idea. And Mark, be careful what you ask for. You might <laughs> actually get it. And so it was a good idea. In, pra in practice, it's been corrupted. And it wasn't corrupted until 
it, it, at the beginning of this whole thing, back in the 80s and early 90s, we were attacked by corporate agribusiness. You know, if organic food was better, it must be what they did was bad. Now, General Mills and, and as I talked about, Dean Foods, giant milk companies, and the corporate agribusinesses have invested heavily in organics. You generally won't see their name on the label. It, when you buy Cascadian Farms frozen organic vegetables or cereal or Muir Glen tomato sauce or salsa, you'll never see General Mills. You'll see Small Planet Foods. Doesn't that sound nice? But they're owned by General Mills. So they, they now are not really trying to attack organics. And General Mills isn't an evil player here, unlike some big corporations. They're basically trying to co-opt organics. Again, I'm not talking about General Mills. I'm talking about the average corporation that's gotten into organics. They want to do the very least necessary to change from conventional, from their production model, to get that label. So it's really about the cachet of the marketing rather than the fundamental philosophical precepts of how we grow our food and the quality of the food. And that's what we're trying to protect at Organic Eye because we believe in it. And I still believe it. After all these years, I eat all organic food. I'm really happy to uh, have most of my commerce in my local food shed. So I, I know where my food's coming from. But, you know, I love chocolate and Brazil nuts and other things. And I need to have a trustworthy regulatory system overseeing how this is done. Folks, today for Spirit in Action, our guest is Mark Castell, one of the founders of Organic Eye. He's not a private eye, he's an organic eye. OrganicEye.org is the website, the link's on NorthernSpiritRadio.org, just like all of the guests that we've had for Spirit in Action since 2005. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's in the area of southwest Wisconsin, where one of the first Three stations to carry a spirit in action is syndicated. WDRT carried it before they were actually on the air, before they had an antenna up. They, they had an online version of the program, and they included us in their lineup back then. So their neighbors just a couple hours drive away from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where I'm located. All of our guests and links to them are on northernspiritradio.org, a place for you to comment. Comments are so important, and Mark has already spoken about the importance of the input that uh, – to have a good watchdog organization, you need eyes and ears and hands everywhere. So it's important for us too in Northern Spirit Radio to have your feedback, to have your direction, to have your input. So please post comments on our programs when you visit and then, you know, look at supporting us. There's a place where you can donate to support us because we do not take donations from corporations or from government. We want our listeners to be in control. And I think that's pretty much how Organic Eye needs to run too. And I wanted to ask you about that too, Mark. Who funds the watchdog? I mean, the, because there's a whole lot of corporations who would like to subvert the work you do to make it more lenient in their favor. Sure. Well, first of all, let me give you a plug. And I am not only a past guest, but a longtime listener, a commenter and a donor. So I enjoy your show. It's motivating to me. We're all smarter together. We can learn from each other, and your show is a great vehicle for that. So Organic Eye is a public charity. We're a tax-exempt, and uh, your donations are tax-exempt. And we are funded by a mix of individuals, and those are farmers and consumers, and nonprofit foundations with a spattering of, I think, a 
just a little bit of money from maybe a couple of businesses, but it's a small percentage and, and it's self-selected. If, if businesses want to fund a corporate watchdog, I assume they feel they're doing something right. We don't want the people who are approaching organics ethically to be placed at a competitive disadvantage. Profit's not a dirty word. We want farmers to make a living and we want businesses that are their marketing partners to make a living. And as consumers, when we pony our money up, we demand authenticity. And so we serve all those different important constituencies. Um, We wouldn't have organic food without all of them. And so I'm proud to say that, uh, again, I'm a hired man. I work for farmers. I work for the consumers that believe in this and want to support the very best farmers with their patronage. And we deserve really nutrient-dense, safe food. And that's what organics is about. If Dean Foods wanted to make a donation to Organic Eye, a, a sizable one, here, here's a few million dollars. <laughs> what, how would you deal with that? Because I, I, I'm concerned about ethics. I'm concerned about control. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're in the ethics business. So our scrutiny on our own organization is really important. It's not that facetious. When I was running the Cornucopia Institute, and I am, I have to say, and I don't know if it was Luke Garrick who said, if you can do it, it ain't bragging, but I am the consummate expert on all scales of organic dairy. So I visited dozens of these larger Um, I don't call them farms. I call them dairies or industrial operations. And at one time, we were really banging on Dean Foods' horizon. They owned a dairy in Idaho that had 4,400 cows, documented a number of what we felt were legal violations, and filed legal complaints with the USDA. They invited me to inspect the farm. They offered to have their private jet pick me up at La Crosse, Wisconsin (laughs) airport. And I I did two things. One, I invited a colleague from a group called rural Vermont to join me. And I think they did pick him up at the corporate jet. Um, I flew out commercial because I didn't want them to know when I was getting there to snoop around and visit with neighbors a few days early. And when I was there uh, and they did this big dog and pony show, trying to illustrate how they were investing and making this a, a more humane operation. They uh, made this veiled offer saying, you know, we think you're doing great work. And now that we're going to improve this, we'd like to support you. Well, two things happened. One, a year or two later, they were short on milk. So whatever improvements they made, they went from milking three times a day to twice a day. They went up back up to three times a day, which you really have to confine your animals for. There's no time to let them out. And so I went to my board of directors and said, Dean Foods uh, said they'd like to give us money. Do you think we should accept it? And of course, they all said no. And so we set our own standards and uh, the board of directors that I work with at Organic Eye, they're not going to take corporate money. If if it was one of the, I I, want to plug a couple companies here now. I don't think any of them are, one of them might have given us a very modest amount of money, but two of them definitely didn't. And I want to plug two companies that I really, three companies that I think are exemplary. Nature's Path is the largest organic cereal manufacturer in the country. You'll find them in Walmart and you'll find them in our food co-ops. They're everywhere. They are run by the same company that founded them, family, the Stevens family. They're in British Columbia. They actually have a plant in Wisconsin. They walk their talk. They are just an exemplary company. Eden Foods in Michigan once invited me to speak to their employees. Other big corporations don't do that. They really believe in this. They're, again, owned by the family Michael Potter runs it that founded them. 
And finally, um, Dr. Bronner's, which was founded, this sounds repetitive, by the Bronner family, still controlled. They give all their money away to charity and they're not in business to make a profit, but they actually got in trouble with the IRS because they were giving everything away as a nonprofit. And now they're commercial, but over whatever, they cover their overhead, pay their staff fairly. And these are companies where uh, you'll find those products in my house. You always have for decades. And I'll, I'll plug another little session on the Organic Eye webpage, organiceye.org. Tune into Castell's Kitchen. I did a, mm-hmm. a, a presentation, a video uh, just on yogurt, which are the great brands of yogurt. And uh, did one recently on vegetables, including branded and frozen vegetables, fresh, how to eat in the season. So don't take this uh, criticism of corporate agribusiness as universal. I'm universally skeptic, but there are some really high integrity, big companies that have invested in organics and continue to do the job. So that's where we're funded by almost entirely individuals and nonprofit foundations that have the public's interest in mind. Folks, you're going to want to go to OrganicEye.org and find the links and and listen to Mark Castell's videos, watch them. His latest one was Grow Your Organic Vegetables, as if your grandmother was telling you that. And of course, she was feeding me organic vegetables when I visited Elsie's Kitchen. One of the things that you talk about there in that video is the food pyramid that used to be. And you said that the right way to do the food pyramid is the base, the the starting point should be organic, of course, but it can get better as you go up. And you said at the peak is your own garden, because you said the moment that you take food off the vine, you're already losing flavor and nutrients, right? Of course, you have some experience about this, but it's measurable too, right? Well, yeah, they can do studies on, but I like to, you know, we have a saying in Wisconsin here, don't go out to your garden to pick the sweet corn until you already have the water boiling on the stove. You want it fresh. And so there really is no comparison in terms of nutrition and flavor when you can go out to your kitchen garden, pick those herbs, pick the greens, pick the sweet corn, And the next step down is your local food shed. So that's your farmer's market where you can greet the people growing your food on a Saturday morning, a food co-op that might be like a farmer's market seven days a week. Ours here in Viroqua and La Crosse work with literally scores of local farmers. And then your CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, where you subscription, you, you sign up at the beginning of the year, you take a shared risk, you take a percentage of the bounty of that local farm, they probably deliver it to your neighborhood and put it in a neighbor's garage where everybody can pick it up from. That food, instead of being organic from California 10 days ago, might have been picked 10 hours ago by people you know. And then they spend the money at the local hardware store and getting a haircut, and it bounces around your local community. So you're doing a lot of good, not only for your family, but it's agriculture on a humane scale. It's agriculture that supports the local schools, the tax base, and something you can sincerely feel good about. So that's that food pyramid. I'm glad you mentioned that, Mark. So you're the, I knew somebody watched that video. You're the guy. I think it was 700 other people, but yeah, tune into organic eye and watch me rant and rave. And in the, the idea of the Castell kitchen series is to give you tools and knowledge about specific brands and techniques of how to buy the best organic food, how to reward the heroes in this industry. And um, I'm having fun doing it. 
Maybe a little thematic music will enrich our visit with Mark Castell of Organic Ice. So here is the group known as Peanut Butter Jellyfish, including my friend Lisa Wildman, who I had on our Song of the Soul program back just a couple months ago. This is a song about the joys that Mark Castell was just talking about of food from the peak of the pyramid from our own gardens. Here is Working in My Garden by Peanut Butter Jellyfish. Vegetables are getting hard to buy Prices going up through the sky Well, chemicals might make me die There was something I could try So I found some ground that I call my own Turn the dirt where I don't like to mow Before I knew it, the hours I'd spend Working in my garden Working in my garden Working in my garden Love to eat those things I grow Peppers squash and tomatoes Great big plants from little seeds grow Working in my garden Now all my seeds come in the mail And I put them in the dirt without fail I cover them up and water them down Watch those suckers pop through the ground And after a while they're big and strong They're on my table where they belong Now I get all my vitamins The good stuff from my garden Working in my garden I'm working in my garden Love to eat those things I grow Peppers, squash, and tomatoes Great big plants from little seeds grow Working in my garden Then there come the times I dread Like creepy crawlers and weeds that spread I'm picking a pluck, plucking a pick I work so hard that I get sick and tired of keeping those critters few Somehow I seem to muddle through After a while, starting to win I'm working in my garden That was Peanut Butter Jellyfish and Lisa Wildman performing Working in My Garden as Mark Castell and I were just talking about, the kind of folks who provide local food. 
one of the people that I had connection with, I've had on my program, was Atina Diffley. Do you know you know her well enough? Yes, because I she do. used to supply the co-ops in the Twin Cities with, and she had her own fights and and was able to tilt some of the law, the organic law, to and and to to protect her property because they're raising organic for the good of the neighborhood. She's got an amazing story, and I hope people will come to NordenSpiritRadio.org, search for Atina, which, by the way, is Anita spelled backwards. And Atina and I intersect because she was living in the home of Anita Kanan, who uh, was her family was one of the founding families early on in Milwaukee. They had a big farm that got whittled down as the residential neighborhoods right across from the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee is. Eventually, she was down to the last five acres that she owned, and she wanted to keep it as a land preserve. So she contacted the Quaker meeting and made an agreement with her. Atina lived in that house. A year or two later, I moved to Milwaukee and became steward of that land where Atina had been living. So yeah, that's quite a story. Atina and her husband Martin uh, ran an operation in tw- by the Twin Cities called Gardens of Egan uh, in Egan, Minnesota. They're very well respected, uh, retired now, but very well respected organic farmers. And you should read uh, Atina's book. I think it's. Um, Turn here, sweet corn. Turn here, sweet corn. Yes, that's exactly the one. Uh, let's talk about a few more things with Mark Castell of OrganicEye.com. How bad were the Trump years? I think they were trying to push through some laws, some changes right before October. I saw an article posted on your site about that. They wanted to revise the standards uh, a little bit more to degrade them, I think. Uh, How bad were the Trump years? Did National Organics take a hit or not during those years? Well, to be honest with you, Washington has not been our friends since the original law was passed in uh, the Organic Farms Production Act of 1990. Uh, First, we had the USDA secretary under Clinton saying organic food isn't any better. It's just a marketing program. And then we had uh, monkey wrenching for eight years during the Bush administration. It took 12 years to implement the law that was passed until the regulations were finalized. They just stalled on it. And during the Obama administration, they handed the reins of the organic program over to the corporate lobbyists and uh, brought in some of the darlings of the corporate organic world to manage the organic program. So, was Trump worse? Yes. He set a new be- benchmark. I kept on saying in subsequent administrations I've worked with that it couldn't get any worse than this, but it's always managed to get worse than this. And uh, Mr. Vilsack is back at the helm and uh, naively I'll still be, I'll shortly be writing him to say, look, quit listening to the Organic Trade Association. Here's a list of, I think I have 12 NGOs that uh, advocate for and watch the USDA organic program, organic eye being one of them. These are the folks you have to listen to. These are the public interest groups. The Organic Trade Association is a industry lobby group masquerading as a public interest group. And uh, the problem is that we're going to give Secretary Vilsack the benefit of the doubt. They duped you last time, sir. Don't let that happen again. I'm going to enter that optimistic and I'll check back with you on our next interview. After X number of years, I'll let you know how we did, Mark. 
You know, Mark, we're going to run out of time here. I do need to ask about what's, hold, what's held in the future for Organic Eye. You've got a long history already of fighting for people's well-being through food. I mean, you lived it experientially through your own health. You're concerned about animals. I think that's a spiritual depth that many people don't think about nearly enough. Where's Organic Eye going? And who's that cat? <laughs> Mark and I are... We have video. Everybody also only has audio. That cat is Kovu, who's helping me. He's kind of a Holstein-looking cat. We're going to continue to do our work as long as there are these exemplary farmers who are complying with the spirit and letter of the organic law. And we're going to continue to do our work as long as there are corporations ex- exploiting consumer trust. And we're going to t- continue to do our work as long as the government forgets um, who they're really accountable to. I would love to put us out of business. It doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, but I'm getting older. I would love to see uh, (laughs) a pathway to retirement through the successful administration of this program. After all, Mark, you and I pay our taxes. I think it might be an $18 million budget. Don't quote me on that for the National Organic Program. We're already paying our taxes. People then are making charitable donations to support organic eyes oversight. That should not be necessary. So I would love to see us become just cheerleaders for changing to an organic diet at all, of all times during this pandemic. We know that um, nutritionally superior food is the foundational uh, element to health and well-being. We also know that uh, obesity is a major risk factor for COVID-19 and all kinds of chronic disease. But our company is based on capitalism. Capitalism is based on selling exclusive profitable products and whole food that is unprocessed. Uh, You can't patent it. And it's uh, in relative terms, not profitable. So these people are selling us just like the tobacco companies did on eating poison. And we need to get away from uh, including processed organic food. We need to eat as uh, basic a diet of fresh, wonderful food, as close to your home as you can get it produced, and it will pay phenomenal dividends to your family in terms of health, well-being, and hopefully longevity. Thank you for doing your part to make that possible. We need, it's good to bring government into the situation to make it as universal as we can, but we still need of, by, and for the people, we need the people to be making sure, we need people to be making sure that the government serves our interests and Organic Eye certainly doing that. Again, the website, organiceye.org. You'll find Mark Castell through that. You can track down the other employees at the Washington office and you can serve as eyes and ears and help them do their job better in the interest of the people. Thank you so much, Mark, for doing that work. Mark, I I really enjoy collaborating with you. Thank you. We've got all the lists of our guests, like Mark Castell and Organic Eye, on our northernspiritradio.org website and the songs that we've included today. And we've got one more song for your organic listening pleasure. This is by Pasha. And you can see the video and a link to his site via northernspiritradio.org. Here is his Say No to GMO song. And we'll see you next week for Spirit in Action. Say no to GMO. GMO's gotta go. Go, go, go. 
to go Be the change you wanna see in this world and let it flow Theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. Oh